Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now get 20% below MSRP for an average of $15,178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. G, 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 take me away. G, 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 take me today. Welcome to episode 33. It's our first episode out of the basement. We've made it out of the basement is where we've made it. So if you listen to last week's episode, you know that uh, the intro song was recorded about eight months ago when the two people that were in it were alive. It's got a David Bowie sample and a little nod to the It's Gary Shandling show. And uh, now they're both dead. So uh, last episode, last week, I asked people to email if I should redo an intro song and uh, maybe include some people that should die or just leave the intro song as uh, homage. And uh, of course, people said, keep it as an homage. And some people, one person said, make a Nickelback one. And uh, I'm not sure if I could even make a Nickelback one that would be good. Maybe I can. But do I want them to die? I don't think I want them to die. Maybe they could make better music. But death seems a little harsh. So I'm still thinking on it, mulling it over. If you have an opinion, you could email the Gary Hour at Gmail and let us know what you think so this episode I talked to Seth Fergolzia from the band Doofus he has a band called the 23 Sages and we talk about music and art and inspirations and how to keep yourself inspired and I truly think Seth has found it because he is inspired And we get to hear two songs of his. It's the first musical performance of the podcast. I don't know why it took so long, but it was worth the wait because it's really great. I hope you get to hear his performances. It segues in there rather nicely from this conversation with Gary Levitt, that's me, and Seth Fergosia. Yeah! 
how's your headphones? Yeah, decent. Decent or great? <laughs> Phenomenal. <laughs> you had the band Doofus for many years. It's like yeah. a, 10 years? 13. 13 years? Uh-huh. Doofus is such a funny name. How did you come up with the name Doofus? Well, I uh, started off with the name Rufus. Uh-huh. I had written a song with the, the name Rufus and it. it was a kind of silly song. And I was doing four track recordings mm-hmm. to start. I haven't re-released those, but there were two tapes of Rufus songs. And then I found out there was already a band with that name. So I just switched a letter and it stuck and seemed to fit my music a lot better back then. Yeah, because it's kind of a silly and self-deprecating name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the early stuff was really weird and silly. Was it? Did you mean it to be self-deprecating? I've never considered doofus to be a, like a an insult necessarily. It's sort of like a a loving insult, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like like calling your child silly or something like that. Yeah. Because one thing I've noticed from doing stand-up is that people love self-deprecation. Hmm. They, they, it just gets people on Especially your side. comedians. Yeah. Comedians love to make fun of themselves. Because I, I used to go to a comedy open mics in the Lower East Side, and I've, I just, like, so many times people would be so insulting to themselves to the point where it wasn't funny, it was just sad. <laughs> you got to ride that line, yeah. I know, right? <laughs> got to stay on the, other, the funny side of the line. Yeah. I, I personally don't. Uh, and at this point in my life, lean toward self-deprecation. Mm-hmm. But I do feel like the first time I heard the name Doofus, I immediately felt good about it. Uh-huh. And I think that might be, whether consciously or not, the self-deprecation of it. Uh-huh. I'm a doofus. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, th- I think it's good to be proud of what you are. Yeah. <laughs> 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 So much helps with a good name, and I feel like that's a really good name. Hmm. Yeah, I feel like I haven't chosen a good name since then. <laughs> <laughs> as Rufus, maybe Rufus is available now. <laughs> right. But Rufus and Doofus are very different. Rufus doesn't have that self-deprecation, but Doofus mm-hmm. does. It's got, the, it's got the tone, though, similar. So why did you decide to end it after 13 years? I know you had a, a, fi- a finale show. Uh, oh. Well, like, like I said, like you and I met... I guess probably around 10 years ago in Ithaca or when I was living in Ithaca. Mm-hmm. And then uh, at that time, Doofus was still happening. Yeah. I moved to Rochester from Ithaca and uh, it was a bit more difficult to be coming back, back and forth to New York city to do rehearsals with the band. Okay. So it's more about practicality, not like you said all that needed to be said with that project. Right. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like it was like a, a era change for me. Mm-hmm. I went into a, a solo performance phase where I just toured solo for, I don't know, two or three years as I developed a band in Rochester. And and then the past few years, I've been starting to tour with a band again. Yeah. Cause Doofus had this like a uh, wild anarchist carnival. You had so many people mm-hmm. at times and it was constantly changing. Mm-hmm. And I've seen some videos of you guys on YouTube where it just seems like a circus, a yeah. musical circus. Yeah. We had some, some weird wild shows. Definitely. Like I, I remember this guy who used to stand with us and like do the 
juggling with balls like rolling in your hands you know that kind of juggling he would do that on <laughs> on stage with us uh i don't know we just we would let anybody into the band really who <laughs> wanted to be into the band if they were up for recording what? i mean rehearsing uh-huh and they would do musical stuff or just performance i mean that guy was just doing the juggling yeah some french guy i can't even remember his name uh but uh, yeah and 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 there were there was you know a Oh, quite a range between the levels of musicianship mm-hmm. from person to person. Yeah. I was trying to make a kind of folk music. My stuff, you know, is semi-complex, but I always tried to keep a, a simple string going through it. Your stuff is complex, and I feel like it doesn't come off right away. Like, it took me a few listens to be like, oh, I feel like Seth might be classically trained or something. Yeah. Are you classically trained? Yeah. You are? Okay, uh-huh. see, yeah, uh, maybe it's my density, but I didn't get it right away. And then seeing you perform a couple times, I was like, oh, there's something like uh, modal going on or something sometimes. Yeah, I, I definitely like fought against it the mm-hmm. whole time. but I uh, Fought against your classical training? Yeah, I, I started out playing the, well, at the age of three, I started playing the violin. Played that for six months and quit. And then... Uh, at three years old, yeah. how did you even hold it or get a tone? <laughs> I don't know. I do remember playing some, some like dun, 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 or something, you know. Uh-huh. Uh But then I play, I started on cello in third grade and switched to the upright bass, and from the bass switched to bass guitar, from bass guitar switched to acoustic to be able to write music, and then started writing music. And uh, I went to went to college for classical bass for, you did. for a semester so and you I, can I just butted heads with the teachers constantly yeah and left and uh went went to purchase which was like a really free moving sort of environment you know like right as long as you were working on music so they you, didn't care what kind of music you were making mm-hmm. they just wanted you to make quality music and you get good grades <laughs> so, oh well yeah. what's quality music what's quality music is that up to the professor? Uh, I don't know. That's good. It's a good question. I don't know. I, you know, just putting your heart into it. I think that at least that's the impression I had from my angle. I did. I did well there because I just I wanted to be recording and writing music constantly. So I just did. Right. And so. So when you learned classical music, did you learn how to read music? Yep. Because I find that a lot of people that learn how to read music first, they can't get creative. Right. You know, they can't, they're just like, they have to read the music in order to play it. Yeah. I had a cellist have a nervous breakdown when I was recording her uh-huh. because she was recording on one of my songs and I kind of like told her what to play. And then there was an outro that was just C to F, C to F, just back and forth. And just at the outro, and it just was a long outro that fades and I was just, just play whatever you want. And she said, I, I, I can't play whatever I want. Uh-huh. I go, but it's just C to F, you know, the scale just play and then i'm listening and she just starts shrieking the strings and i turn around and i look at her and she's tears are just pouring down her eyes and she like totally tensed up it was the weirdest thing and i think it's like like she couldn't improvise because that's all she and she's an amazing player but i find that a lot with uh classical players they can't Uh improvise at all yeah well you know i went to uh a music camp as a kid. Mm-hmm. My my dad was one of the teachers at it. He's a orchestra. Oh, so you come from a family of musicians. Yep, yep. Oh, okay. 
My my dad uh, was a high school orchestra teacher. Okay. Very good one, actually. And uh, my mother, she went to school for children's music. And uh, so you had music in your household oh, growing yeah. up. Every, oh, oh yeah. yeah, that's yeah. My first paid gig was at six. <laughs> I was in a boys' choir. Haha, <laughs> nice. Six years old. That's that's pretty good to be earning yeah. money at music. Did have you heard of the Suzuki method? Sure. Okay, because the Suzuki method combines improvisation and using your ear and your feeling with reading music. Uh-huh. But I think the key is that they teach you to first use your ear and then learn how to read. Mm. And I think learning how to read at first can inhibit people's use of their own will and their ear. Sure, yeah. I yeah. don't seem to have that problem. I, I don't, I've never had that problem. Yeah. I, I had something to say, but I forgot what I was saying. Um, it, yeah, like, uh, so, I feel. Well, your music is super creative and original, unique. I mean, no one would, I mean, you haven't really been called derivative of anything. Uh, people make references, but it, it doesn't make sense to me. What? Resi- the residence? <laughs> That's the only thing I can think uh, of. People always say Zappa or uh, mm. uh, Captain Beefheart. And it's just because this stuff is a little bit on the weird side and they just kind of throw all the weird stuff in one pile. Right. But uh, I don't think that my stuff is really derivative of either of those. I do respect those artists. Your parents coming from a classical perspective, were they just outraged at what you've done? <laughs> no. no. <laughs> my, par- my parents are cool people. Uh, before I started actually making a living, I'd get pushed a little bit you know like get a job sort of stuff but mm-hmm. i've been surviving for a while now so they're okay with you because when i first wanted to play guitar my uh, father was like well if you're gonna play guitar you have to learn classical because that's the real music huh? and I, maybe that's kind of old-fashioned now but your parents being classical musicians did they have that elitism mm. <laughs> no i don't think so uh, you know, I think my father would have been happy if I went the classical route. They were happy when I went to, you know, school for classical music. But mm-hmm. I, I really like. I, I had like some crazy conflict with the teachers there. The the bass instructor was just not nice. And then I, I had this one teacher. Actually, it was it's kind of an okay story. Uh, one of the teachers there assigned for us to write something that is singable. And I wrote something that was a little bit difficult. Difficult and, to sing. Yeah. And he's like, okay, uh, you know, like this, this is a, within the constraints of the assignment, but it's too hard to sing. Uh, come back uh, next week with a piece that is definitely able, you're definitely able to sing. Everyone has to get up and sing their part in front of the class. So everyone is writing like, da, 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 you know, just like simple things. And I wrote something that was all like, you know, like that. <laughs> right, right. And it's all written out. Like I practiced it for like, I don't know, three hours straight. This is like little four bar, crazy, insane melody that just went across four octaves. And he was like, this is not singable. And I got up and I sang the thing like <laughs> perfectly. Yeah. And his jaw dropped and the whole class started applauding. <laughs> nice. And, and yeah, so after that, I just like, I had to leave the school. 
So you had a creative conflict with the professor? It, it just wasn't creative. And, it, and it's just probably similar to what you're talking about, the being stuck in the sheet music mode and not being able to think outside of the box. Right. Um, I think I felt that way about the music program that I was in. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and purchase just matched me better. Yeah. Music's a funny thing because I feel like some musicians treat it like a sport. People that could play really fast. <laughs> Look how fast he is. But to me, music is all about the emotion of it. Like I want to feel an emotion. Yeah. Like I'd, I'd rather hear someone take a stick and bang on a tree in a way that's going to move me than someone that can fly up and down the scales and then switch to modes. Uh-huh. Yeah, there. Are, I mean, there are some really heartfelt fast players though in the world you know right you know there's there's some great music that moves quickly but i I can agree with that yeah Yeah. just some people there's different ways to see music like you could see it as a sport or you could see it as like a craft that has to be done a certain way or you could just see it like i'm assuming you see it as just like a wide open mode of expression Uh uh-huh yeah i mean i i try to use it i i think in the past i you know, I, because I I have so many years behind me and so many recordings, I can see the phases I've gone through, which mm-hmm. is kind of a fun thing about getting older. Yeah. Um. And I can I can see that in my early years, I thought I knew everything. Like in your twenties, yeah, everybody and, does. And I wanted to, and I in the lyrical content, I I w- I wanted to like kind of tell people how to live better or something like that. Uh-huh. And then I went through a, a long stretch where I just wanted to express what I was feeling. Right. Uh, just writing about my life. And uh, in the recent years, I, I think I've been trying to tell some stories mm. and to bring some positive change in the world, not mm-hmm. preaching change, but like, just you know, trying to make something that's that feels good and, and helps encourage people and gives hope. And, yeah. Uh, What's well, it brings me to a thought. Like, what is your reason for doing music? I know that's kind of a big question. Yeah. But do you have a philosophy or a reason that you do it? Because mm. I mean, you just said right now you to bring positivity and change. And that to me is like, oh, you're doing it for the world. And then before your, your phase was to express yourself. Yeah. And in the, in your twenties, maybe it was, who knows? (laughs) (laughs) Mass confusion. Right. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. My purpose. I mean, it's, it's strange because it's, it's linked in as my means of, survival right at this point right uh, which I, I have often over the course of my life wanted to quit making music because i don't or not not quite making music but quit doing Mark. doing it for money right period yeah um because of the 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 link and i i don't want to i don't want to think about what i'm writing or who i'm writing for mm-hmm. i want to create but at the same time, I mean, music is written for. I, I I go to shows where people just seem so elated and and joyful by the 
the feeling of the music and so so i think you know it, it, it's it's a weird it's a weird thing i i do write some music just for myself still and i don't share that yeah you know how do you decide what to share and what not to share is it just some some stuff is too personal yeah yeah mm-hmm. or it's some some stuff that you you just know the general public doesn't want to hear. <laughs> you know? Really? I feel like I'm never quite sure. Uh, I, I, I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, like I wrote a hundred songs in four months and then I went through them all. I listened to them all. Uh-huh. And so I, I got, you know, some opinions about some of them just being like, this is really depressing and sad because I was in a sad mood. and Right. And it's not like the kind of sad that's like, beautiful and you know like your heart feels like a melancholy yeah happy sad yeah it, like some some shit is just pitiful mm-hmm. you know and you, you, everybody feels that so, stuff yeah. and and because i was writing every day you know that's what came out on that day and and so i don't want to share that with the world i don't i don't see it bringing any positive energy to to the the mass consciousness yeah but yeah. when i'm sad i listen to sad music i had I, I wrote uh, plenty of sad songs uh-huh i'm not saying i didn't but some of them i think can actually you know music has a power to it as well and if you're in a destructive mood right uh and, and like a self like not self-deprecating in the way that you were talking earlier but like get you know like really down on yourself and the and the you, you just kind of like shit out some diarrhea you don't want to give that to the world right you yeah. want to give them the nice turd yeah you have to polish it up a little bit <laughs> nice polished <laughs> sparkling turd so you've been doing music for a while and you said something before you said now that you're getting older and uh i know we briefly touched on this when we we're off mics before but how do you keep the spark alive getting older, doing music. I, I have no problem with that. Uh-huh. None at all. I, I don't know. I know some people, I guess, like, as they get older, they run out of ideas or something. I just, I feel like I'm, I have not even touched on 3% of the things that I want to do in this life, you know? Not just musically, but, you know, artistically and, and experientially. And so to me, it seems kind of ridiculous to run out of ideas, but mm-hmm. I, I know that that happens. It, to me, like, I, I, I just try to stay in it, you know, and, and it's just a, it's just about being in a stream or, or like keeping a motor oiled. That's what the, the hundred song project was for me. Uh, it was an exercise in writing. I wanted, I felt like I had all, all this, music in me that wasn't coming out mm-hmm. uh, and i was like looking at other musicians and i'm like ah, i can write music of that level or or something you know comparing myself to other people and like, why am i doing this right it's because i'm not writing and so i just decided okay this four month stretch its main focus is writing and i just got up every morning actually mornings uh became my writing time which was unusual because if i just write from inspiration it'll happen in the darker hours um yeah yeah but this was you know this was a project where i got up and wrote every day and that was the first thing i did i well I, you know i get up 
do yoga, eat breakfast, and then write. Let, mm -hmm. Let's explain the hundred song thing. So you decided that you're going to do this project where you make a song a week, written, recorded, and released. Yeah. Well, originally, I, I just decided to write 100 songs. Okay. In the span of four months. Uh, started in September. Oh, just writing. 2014. And then as I was doing it, I was like, well, why don't I, uh, a friend of mine was setting up a subscription site for me. Why don't I start doing it through my subscription site? So, um, uh, .com, uh became my subscription site and he made it so, you know, people could subscribe to me for a monthly rate right. uh, of their choosing and, and I would release material on the site. Well, that, that so, discipline of writing a song a week without like anyone pressuring you, we got to get it out. It's got to come out. How do you keep that discipline? Uh, I, I just kept my, the, my fans in mind. I guess the people who were paying money, I didn't want to jip people. Right. Uh, um, I said I was going to put out four songs a month, mm -hmm. four fully produced songs a month. And I did stick with it. I had a couple that, couple times where I was like too busy so I'd put out a unreleased track that I had already mixed because some of the writing project I did on the computer mm -hmm. so I had a couple that I could throw in with you know so I had a little yeah extra time here and there and then uh, I went on tour and everything got busy I'm still still working to get the last 13 tracks <laughs> mixed um, just financially really at this point they're they're all recorded it's just a mm -hmm. matter of oh, one of them's like a a 12 piece band so it's all like recorded in a hi-fi studio and i want to nice. take it to a you know an engineer and it's like i don't know 12 tracks or something so it's got to be yeah that takes time that's, that's expensive yeah <laughs> so when you were decided to write a hundred songs and you were waking up every single day and just writing. Because I think most musicians, most artists just create when the mood hits them, yep. when they're inspired. Yep. And it's really different doing that than forcing yourself. Absolutely. Yeah, the, these, I mean, if you if you listen to the project, mm -hmm. songs are extremely varied. Right. Totally different. And And by the end of it, I was like, how do I write more songs? And came up with like different, techniques for writing songs it was cool like i wrote a, i wrote this one song about berlin um and i, I just I, w I decided i wanted to write a song about berlin because i like the city and have a lot of friends there and it kind of feels like new york to me mm -hmm. um i went out for a walk pen and paper in hand and just started writing down jotting down all the little experiences that I could remember mm -hmm. of my life passing through Berlin over the past 10 years on tours. And, uh, also, uh, so I, I put all that stuff down and on one shot, one side of a notebook and on the other side of the notebook, I just looked at all this stuff and I'd write like poetic lines that would tie certain events together. So it made this one poem on the other side of the page. What you're describing is a technique, which is awesome. Because there's techniques to everything, and I think sometimes people don't even realize they're doing a technique. Uh -huh. Maybe you've created this technique. But it's almost like a comedy writing technique, uh -huh. where you list out the tropes of something, and then you can kind of put 
together jokes or it helps you think of jokes that uh-huh. way. Uh-huh. And songwriting is very similar. Uh-huh. Yeah, so I, I, this was over the course of a couple hours that I did, did all that. And then mm-hmm. as I continued my walk, it was all on like a sunny morning, uh, just walking around. I uh, took my phone and sang all the words um, into my phone. And got home from my walk, picked up my guitar, figured out the chords that would go behind mm-hmm. the the vocal part, and and then just worked it and worked it and worked it, and then recorded it, and there it was. That's really cool, and that's really different than just waiting to be inspired for a feeling to hate you. Yeah, and it's totally one of my favorite songs, especially because it's really... Uh, as far as the chords go that you play behind the vocals, it's kind of tongue twisting or finger twisting mm-hmm. <laughs> because, uh, what's that song called? It's called Berlin. Okay. You know, plain and simple. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I just, I, I like worked out these chords that went with the vocal, which I had written that sounded naturally, mm-hmm. you know, like I just sang it in it without thinking too much about it. And then, but the chords change in a in a unpredictable way it took me a long time to get that song down i still fuck it up <laughs> man we've never had anyone play on the podcast if you wanted to play a song you would be the very first oh yeah i could do that okay do you want to play a bit of berlin right now i'll pause it you could get your guitar out sure yeah sounds fun. cool cool this is the song berlin yeah this is great we've heard the technique now we'll hear the song i know i hope i can play it oh i think you just kind of ran over my headphones yeah. Cool. Yeah. All right. Backward we walk. Backward we walk. Backward we walk. Like the ticking of a clock. Into the past. To a city in my dreams. To Berlin. A hundred memories of Berlin. Not sure how I got there With a guitar in my hand Suddenly greeted By new and friendly hands Smiling faces Helpful hands Made me feel at home In the memory of Berlin In my memory of Berlin They flew me to the river With my band, with my band To the spree, to the spree Them and me, them and me Had us at the house of world culture Our merry band gave us food Fed us well, gave us food And at the house where culture showed its face to us that night A delight, a new friend, a new show At the end, in a church, had a show They were smoking in the church, they were smoking in the church We were burning when the cops came, burning when they came They tried to shut, shut us down Said we couldn't make a sound Or they'd steal our, steal ours away All we were 
sharing joy. So we put it in the hands of our friendly host. Let them sing, let them boom, boom as we backed out of the room. To applause filled with smoke as the rafters start to choke. It's no joke, we were loco then. Sharing sound, sharing laughter, sharing drink, sharing nighttime. Down by the river, where everyone lives, on the top floor, little tiny thrift stores, squatting graffiti, making beauty. Green spaces, green faces, Berlin, Berlin, Berlin. Man, that's so brave to just play a song like that. Uh, what do you and, mean? <laughs> and it's just like you're not on a stage, you know, you're just like, I just asked you to play a song, you did it, and oh. it was great. It's really, really brave. Huh. Didn't feel brave to me. That's awesome, because you're, you're just a natural musician. It's almost like you played violin or something when you were three years old. <laughs> <laughs> almost. Yeah. Thank you for doing that. You're the very first uh, musician to perform. Nice, and I'm also the first one in your new space, right? Yeah, you're the, the first, first yeah. You're the, yeah it's a big, Are you calling this space something? Uh, what should this new space be called? I don't know yet. It's This is my second day here. It's very exciting. Hmm. Yeah. It's like, a, it's like a whole new life, a whole new change. Yeah. I'm very excited. <laughs> so, what's next for you musically? Hmm. Well, uh, I'm putting on a couple, well, I'm putting on one, but I'm playing at a couple of Bernie Sanders benefits mm -hmm. upstate. Uh, Syracuse and Rochester were, were teaming up, um, putting on two big events two days in a row, uh, one at the Palace Theater in Syracuse on the 15th of April, and then one at Anthology in Rochester nice. on the 16th. And I'm the one booking the one on the 16th. Uh -huh. I did one in February as well. It was really successful. We opened a campaign office. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, just got a lot of promotional materials for the for the campaign. Have you always been locally. involved in politics? Nope. I just, I feel real strong about Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, 2008? Obama? Yeah, I voted for him. <laughs> but you you weren't as... Uh... Uh, yeah, I mean, I was into it. Yeah. It just kind of like, I've gone through phases of feeling political, mm -hmm. uh, is it a different time of your life, maybe? Yeah. Well, I, I think he's a, a once-in-a-lifetime candidate. Bernie. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't think we're going to get... I don't know. Maybe maybe we'll have more chances like this to get someone as liberally-minded as him into office. But there's just a lot of fire behind him. It feels almost like the, the Occupy movement. Yeah, we've and, never had someone this left before. Yeah. Um, so hopefully the fire won't get squelched and yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I just, uh, I, I, I find his message to be, um, uh, hopeful and, and, and he, he just seems like he really cares and is kind of no nonsense mm -hmm. sort of guy. And, 
obviously, you know, not, not taking money from the big businesses. And uh, it would be wonderful if we could take our lives back mm -hmm. uh, from, from the corporations who seem to own them right now. Yeah, I, I, I get mixed because I, I totally understand that also. But even if you take corporate money out of everything, you're still left with humans. <laughs> you're still left with greed, uh -huh. like the water situation in Flint. Uh -huh. That's not a corporate problem. That's just a human, right? Yeah, you know. Yep. Uh, obviously, he's not like the savior of us all. He's, he's Superman, a man just like any of us. Uh, but uh, you know, I, I feel good about him. Yeah, and I, I want him. I, I feel like if he gets into office, good things will happen. Yeah, he he wants to take a you know very active role in climate change. I think that's what we really need. We mm -hmm. can't we can't just be like making little, right? Little changes we need to really change it yeah now you've done a lot of uh touring in europe yep and uh how would you describe the cultural differences between the u.s and some places mm. you've gone to in mm. europe well uh, it's it's hard to say because touring you're you're in a bubble mm -hmm. you're you're surrounded by like-minded people wherever you go. You go to a, a city and you're immediately great, greeted by the promoter and and then brought to the venue, you set up, maybe you take a walk around the town and see some, you know, like a restaurant or, you know, some sites or whatever. But for the most part, you're in this, for me, it's like this, you know, indie folk scene or, or whatever you you would call it right where you know they're not huge venues it's uh but like supportive audiences and um a little more merchandise gets purchased over there which is nice mm -hmm. uh they you know they treat the musician a little bit better than a lot of the venues over here in the u.s do. treatment's so much better over there isn't yeah it? yeah i've had i've had good treatment here you know i can't can't say all people mm -hmm. but um overall that it is kind of nice over there um i have toured a bit in the u.s and and i i found that to be rewarding in other ways and uh, what what different ways well i mean just convincing a u.s audience as opposed to a german audience mm -hmm. it's a totally different thing you know the the people want something different their culture is different so the music they desire is going to be different as well. So the Germans, you mean? They're different from each other. The U.S. Right. Germans okay. or whatever, you know, how drastically different a culture is. You you then have to kind of learn how to show that side of yourself. Show show them, you know, like, I, I don't know. I, I feel like I, I have to, if I'm on tour in the U.S., I will play a different set than I would if I was over in Germany. So it's almost like different, you know how different people bring out different sides of you? Yeah. Would you say it's almost like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's interesting. I like that. <laughs> so you do, a lot, with all this touring, have you found it hard to keep a relationship? Because, you know, once you're gone, you know, if you're in a relationship and once you're gone, it's like tricky. It becomes yeah. long distance all of a sudden. Hmm. Um. I think I think relationships thrive on space. Personally, mm -hmm. uh, I think if you're around a person too much, you you, you turn into a boring person. You know, mm -hmm. I, if you, you 
people, each person has to have a life of their own. Uh, if you're in some sort of relationship, the person you're with, if I don't know, I think, I think each person, each individual feels that maybe I'm wrong, but like as an individual seeing many individuals, I think we all feel more fulfilled when we have things that we can call our own. Um, yes, like our, our own own that we don't share, you mean? Yeah, just our, our special thing that we do. You right, know? like I, for you, it's your music. Right, I write music, and that's what makes me special to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, if if somebody doesn't have their thing, then they might often look to another person uh, to fulfill that need in themselves. And and I, for me, that that's not a, a healthy relationship. I think if two people are together, they should also be okay with being apart mm-hmm. and um, actually enjoy that. Mm-hmm. You know, I get to do this on my own. You know, that's, that's an awesome thing to do something by yourself. Yeah. Well, you, right now you're with someone that you're playing music with, right? She's in your band. Yeah. Cause there's something cool about having a project together. And I did that for many years. Uh-huh. Would you recommend that? Because that could be bl- that could blur the lines of what's yours, right? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, there's no question in my band whose band it is, right? I, I think, uh, but you know, because you fine her, right? She gets fined if she hits a bad note. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the old uh, the five. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, I. I I think it's great. I, my my band is different than a lot of bands, though that that we like hang out like as a family, sort of. You know, we're not all family members, but uh, well, Laura, my girlfriend, uh-huh. is in the band. Her brother is in the band, but, and then everybody else just feels like family. You know, we're we're all good friends, and that's the way. It, that's the way of my work. Like it, it's always been that way. Like it's been friendship over musicianship often in the past. Now I'm trying to, you know, couple those two and kind of, you know, it's not an open door anymore. Like uh-huh. it was with Doofus. It's, it's a, you know, audition process or, or. Yeah. Cause doesn't that get hard if you're, cause you're, you're such a good musician to play with someone that's not that good a musician, even though you might get along with them personally. I did it for years. And it took a lot of patience. I, I used to teach at a music camp mm-hmm. and uh, we would write music together. Me and these like, well, the, the younger class was sixth to eighth graders. And then the older class was ninth to 12th. Mm-hmm. And, and we'd write music together and I mean, those kids were musicians. Uh, some of the bands, some of the people in my right. bands have just, you know, been people who can sing a tune. Right. And they just are, they're singing. And uh, yeah, it, it could be pretty difficult, especially for really good players. Like, not I have the patience for it because I've just done it for years. Mm-hmm. But some, some musicians, like, uh, are really good players and can pick up a song within three plays through yeah whereas someone who just you know sings a tune it might take them like an hour or two to learn a song right Um, that's where the patience comes in (laughs) yeah but you know to do that in front of the whole band 
it's not fair to the players who can do stuff more quickly. So I've I've just kind of I've I've broken off uh, into a four piece with three of the other guys from the band who are some of the quicker learners, and and we've been working on material as Multi Bird, and that quartet is is my touring band now. Oh, nice! And so our full band, who are actually all pretty solid musicians, um, horns. Uh, it's called Twenty Three Sages. We've got you know sax and trumpet, trombone, tuba, and flute. So those are the other players that play when we do bigger shows upstate. Yeah. Um, we don't really travel with that. It's just kind of... That's a lot of people. A lot of people. And big instruments to travel with. Yeah. I need a sip of water. Yeah, grab it. Would you want to play? maybe play another tune to take us out when we end it? Cool, yeah. That was really great. Thanks. Did you hear the guitar? Yeah. And your voice on the guitar is such different frequencies that to bring up the guitar, I just got to raise those, oh, cool. those frequencies. So. Oh. Yeah, I think they put sugar in New York water. <laughs> the water tastes sweet? Yeah. You think they put sugar and chlorine in the water? <laughs> the sugar's to make the chlorine go down. <laughs> it tastes so sweet. <laughs> so the, yeah, that does take a lot of patience because, uh, you know, when I was having a rotating band, that was very difficult. Some people would yeah. learn very quickly and some people not. Especially yeah. with drummers, like a drummer that isn't good is painful. I this the drummer I'm working with now is the first drummer I've actually worked with since Doofus. Like I, you didn't. You just, I've just had a resistance to playing with a full kit because it's such a powerful instrument. Yeah, and if if a person is at all controlling, they just take over the band. Yeah, uh, and and I can't I can't be with that. You know, mm -hmm. so I, I like for a while with the twenty three twenty three stages, I was playing the kick drum. And then we'd have we had two guys playing snare and floor tom. They both played those, and like each had like some cymbals and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so you just take the drummer and break it up between three people. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And that had a cool effect. It mm -hmm. was it was a little messy sometimes, but um, yeah. that, that kind of anarchy could be a good energy, though. Yeah, hmm. yeah. So you're playing in a band with your girlfriend Laura. Is this? tricky do you prefer it do you not prefer it is it would you recommend it if if you get along well i think i think it's worth it mm -hmm. um she, she's an awesome woman and, and like i can count her uh, count on her like if we finish a set and i can't run out to the merchandise table right away she'll she'll jump over there and you know Maybe we'll make some more sales that way. Right. Yeah. Got to make those sales. Yeah. And you got to be right at the table right after you play. Yeah. Um, so sometimes you get stopped by somebody and, and uh, you know, yeah, we help each other along. That's, I think that's what the, the main point of having a good relationship is, is like helping each other. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Relationships are very tricky. Very tricky. 
How how do you feel about the state of the music industry? Have you noticed? Because when I was touring, I definitely noticed CD sales like pretty steadily and rather quickly die down. Mm. People would be people would come up to the merch booth and want to buy a shirt instead of music, and I'd say, "Oh, do you have the album?" They'd say, "Yeah, I got it already." I say, "Oh, where?" Just out of curiosity, where'd you get it? And they would say, "Oh, the internet." <laughs> and you know, I'm like, "Oh." on itunes and they wouldn't even know it's like they wouldn't even know the difference between uh, buying it on itunes or just streaming it or it's right. just yeah yeah it's just there hmm have you noticed the i mean obviously the industry's changed but yeah i i haven't noticed an extreme change mm-hmm. well the script subscription service that you're doing is super smart it's it's been really cool that's it i mean it didn't like pay my bills but it definitely helped through the past year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm continuing it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to, I think I'm going to open up a Patreon account too. A what account? Patreon. It's, it's a subscription service. Okay. Um, I think all the material on there is free, but people can subscribe to, it, it's, it's, it's an interesting way. Like they, they pay per thing. You know, like someone subscribes for say like eight dollars maximum. Yeah, two dollars per song you put up. Uh huh. So if you put up four songs, you get the the eight dollars. You put up three, you get six. Um, I see. So they're they're paying for. I don't know. It's to make sure. (laughs) People are just trying to figure out how to monetize this thing. Well, some people are making mad money at that. I've seen I've seen some people making, you know, yeah, five ten grand a month on that. So. Do you think it's harder or easier for a new band or musician to make some, at least a blue collar living at music? Because nowadays, like you know, back in the eighties, obviously you needed a record label. You needed you couldn't even get your music heard by people unless uh-huh. you had a record label put you into the record stores, right? or if you personally sent a cassette to each and every home address. But now the internet has obviously changed everything. Yeah. And it could be a good thing because it makes your music very accessible, but there's also so many more bands and musicians. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think we're in the midst of a renaissance. You do? Yeah. I just, I, I think that there's, for for people who are doing really creative things, that wouldn't have made it onto some sort of major label or anything like that. They can get their, their music out there. And that just, you know, the more, the more minds creating, the more minds are, you know, discovering. And, uh, to me, it it seems like, I I just remember, I, I think back to my time when I, finished college, which is like, I don't know, 16 years ago or something like that. Uh-huh. Um, and I, I couldn't, I mean, maybe it was even longer than that. What the hell year is it? 18 years ago. Who cares about time? Uh, well, it, it does matter because it, it has to do with the times we're living in. Right. Um, at that time, you know, like, I think you could get some stuff on the internet, but it wasn't like mad prevalent. And, and, now you can you can get anything, which is cool, because um, you just have access. Yeah, and and I know that there's just like maybe too much 
to, to sift through. But if you, if you do some sifting, you can find cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, at that at that time when I when I finished college, I I didn't really listen to much music because I couldn't find much that I that I liked, like stuff that didn't really resonate too deeply with me that that I would discover. Yeah, and and uh, since then I, I've I just there's like so much stuff that I really enjoy. Yeah, and I've had tons of bands that are completely unknown come on tour through the house that I run up in Rochester, mm-hmm. these house shows at Metalson Lab. And they're, you know, like, just this amazing band comes through, and, you know, like, people buy, like, two CDs. Right. <laughs> and uh, it's it's just, like, I would have never have found that band yeah. 20 years ago. Someone would have to turn you on to them. Yeah. Yeah. So... There's there's more stuff to sift through, but there's more to discover. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people who care about art are going to search and discover. Mm-hmm. And, and there's more opportunity for these people who m- might have these brilliant minds but no money right. to, you know, get this, like, free download of a DAW hook up a $200 mic and work wonders with it because they have a genius musical mind. Yeah, anyone can record a song now. I mean, it's the software is out there yeah. and it's easily so, acceptable. I don't know. I, th- I think it's a, a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have a theory that like, you know, the Seattle grunge scene when Nirvana popped up, I feel like because of the internet, there's not going to be little pockets of sounds anymore. Like there was the Seattle sound in the right. early 90s. Right. And maybe the last one was New York City with like the, the, I don't know if they made it, the media made it, but there was kind of a sound with like the strokes and the yeah, yeah, yeahs, uh-huh. that garagey kind of sound. Uh-huh. And I feel like, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like I haven't seen that since then. Mm. And that's kind of correlates with when music really started to appear a lot on the internet. Because mm. now it's more like a global thing. Right. I guess we'll just see... Bl- global pockets pop up yeah instead like just movements that are like worldwide well the collective consciousness is now huge right it's not just a little area anymore yeah <laughs> i i wish there were there was a little less competition in the music world honestly <laughs> oh there's yeah yes i don't know i feel like i'm a pretty good musician and it's still a struggle you know i feel Financially, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, just to get, just even, you know, remain known. Mm-hmm. I'm, I have a following, but I have to keep that up. I can't, I can't just like, you know, just let it grow on its own. No, well, you know what? That's with every art form. You're only as good as your last creation. Mm. And you just got to keep creating. Mm. You know, if Louis C.K. stopped right now, it would be like, oh yeah, he was the guy. No, no one would. That his career would just die out. Right. You just got to keep creating. Mm. That's the uh, curse and the beauty mm-hmm. of what we're doing. <laughs> just got to keep, keep. You're only as good as the last thing. Mm. I feel pretty good about my last thing. Yeah, and you obviously you have all your past and your skills to pull from, so it's just getting more interesting. Mm. 
feel like taking us out with a song? Uh-huh. I know you got to get going. Sure, yeah. Any song you want. But will you tell us a little bit? About the song? Yeah. Okay. Uh, gotta think of a song first. <laughs> um. I mean, you have so many songs. Have you ever counted how many you have? Uh, I haven't really counted how many. I know that when I was in my early 20s, I thought I had about 500. Wow. So, <laughs> I don't know. That, that was the last time I counted. And uh, I've definitely been writing since then. <laughs> um, shoot. Yeah, so it's so weird having all these songs, but I can't think of one to play. Oh, I got one. It's fun. It's a little bit weird. Uh, so I, I do a lot of um, most of the time when I when I start playing. I usually on a m- average day in my home life, I'll start playing music around nine and play till midnight every night. And uh, um, some some days I'll get. Get get my early day practice on too, which is ideal. But I, I'm so busy all the time with a kid and trying to make my living. So, uh, but when I start practicing, I generally, well, not generally, but often will uh, just start by like playing single notes on the guitar and singing those notes simultaneously, like. stuff like that just to get my voice warm and to like get uh, my my brain and my fingers and the guitar all linked together and uh so i tried writing a song in that method uh so it's it's uh called holy mother moss that creeps Growing slowly across a stone Creepy moss Draping over everywhere it can The moss is draping over everything It can, it can Because its nature says it can Long ago In distant lands across galaxies Flew a stone Came to rest on lonely planets Soon made home And grew from nearly nothing into life A home to possibility A place called Earth like no other A place where endless beauty shifts and shapes with life Some call it our Holy Mother She holds and guides her children into endless light Oh, 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 oh Oh, 
inside a history Heaven speaks When one has open ears to nature Moss will creep And crawl across the face of Mother How she laughs As life will tickle her She is kind And grants the gifts up from her bosom Peace of mind when one dwells within her garden What you'll find Inside a mystic thinking There is moss A moss That's creeping over everything A place called Earth Like no other A place where endless beauty Shifts and shapes with life Some call it our Holy Mother She holds and guides her children Into endless light Oh not use a pick i don't always not use a pick <laughs> do i always do statements with double negatives do i always not do statements with double negatives no, I, use, I, I play with a pick too you do right yeah man that's really cool yeah and i didn't finger pick for years and years mm -hmm. just resisted it i thought i was bad at it and then i just realized oh you're gonna actually learn how to do it <laughs> yeah and I, and I do some finger picking i'm okay at it yeah, that's cool. Well, your music is constantly evolving and growing, and I think that's uh, showing in your songs. It's awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thanks for, yeah. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's awesome. Nice, really great. Nice to make it out to Ridgewood. Yes. Thanks for being our first, first guest in the new place and first musical performance. Yeah, cool. Haha. <laughs>